Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that these verses at the beginning of Matthew's gospel are your word to us. We pray this morning by the power of your spirit at work in us that you'll reveal your truth to us. That we'll be transformed more and more into the likeness of your son Jesus. And that our lives will be lived for your glory alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Who do you think you are? The TV show, sorry. The TV show. Have you ever seen that? The, the TV show, Who Do You Think You Are? Where they get these sort of famous people on and they try and track back as far as they can and look through uh, the family tree. It's, it can be quite fascinating for some when they discover that they're a long-lost relative of a horrible king or somebody like that. I, I once tried to work out my family tree but gave up very quickly. It was too much effort to try and work out who's what and where and forget it. But, I, but there seems to be that desire to know where we come from. Ancestry.com is always putting out adverts. Come and find out your ancestry. Where have you come from? What is your family tree? It was certainly important for Jewish families to know their family tree. They needed to know where they came from. They needed to be able to trace it as far back as they could. And so when we come across a genealogy like this in Matthew's gospel, or in Luke's, or in the Old Testament, there's a reason for it. Because for a Jew, they needed to be able to trace their family tree back um, to see, especially as they awaited for the Messiah to come, that he was actually... uh, fitting to be the Messiah, that he came from the right line of people, that he came from the royal line of David. And so for Jewish families, it was really important that they could go and show their family tree, their family history, for lots of different reasons. But one of the main reasons was because when the Messiah came, he needed to come from the right line. And so Matthew begins... Uh, This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Matthew, right at the start of his gospel, lays out what and who he's writing about. He's writing about Jesus. Jesus uh, means God saves, Yahweh saves. And as we'll see next week as we move through Matthew's gospel, um, that is what Jesus came to do. You are to name him Jesus because God will save his people. And so right at the beginning of this gospel, Matthew is announcing that Jesus is here, who is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the one that uh, the Jews have been waiting for. Years and years and years have gone by since God made that promise that he would send one uh, who would be king. And Matthew, right at the beginning, is saying, this Jesus is the Christ. It's not his surname, it's his title. Jesus is the anointed one. He is God's king. And so Matthew wants his readers, which was mainly a Jewish audience, to know right at the beginning that this Jesus that you've heard about and that you're going to read about is, is the Messiah. 
He's the one who would come and deliver God's people. For him to make that claim, he needed to show them that he was fitting for that role. And that's why we get this genealogy, which we'll look in more detail about in a moment. But last week we saw in Isaiah, didn't we, in verse 7, the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. In 2 Samuel 7, we read these words, When your days are over and, your rest, and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Our house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So we go right back uh, to David, where he's told there will be one uh, of your descendants who will sit on a throne, and his kingdom will be established forever. And so that's what the people have been waiting for years and years and years uh, for the Messiah to come. And Matthew, right at the beginning of his gospel, announces the Messiah is here. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And not only does he take us back to David, but he goes further back to uh, Abraham. So um, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It takes us all the way back to Genesis. Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17, where God made those promises to Abraham. He, he, promised, he made the promise of a people, a great nation. He made the promise of a place. I will give you a land to live in. And he gave them their purpose, that they would be a blessing to the nations. In Genesis 17, verse 5, No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. So all the way back to Abraham, God has promised that there will be one uh, who will come, a king. We get to David, this king, uh, he will sit on his throne and his kingdom will be established forever. And what I love about those promises to Abraham uh, is that they're for all, pe all, all people, for all nations. This Messiah that would come, yes, he would be for the Jewish people, but he would be for all people, for all the nations of the world. And so right at the start of this gospel, Matthew uh, is saying this is an account, this book is about Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, who is son of David, who is son of Abraham. Two things to start with that I want us uh, to see. Uh, the first one is Jesus is real. Jesus is real. We love uh, fairy tales, don't we? Oh, I do. I'm not getting any nods. I love fairy tales. Christmas is a fairy tale, really, isn't it? Santa Claus, magic elves, flying reindeers. Oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that, actually. Sorry, Joel. 
Um, but we've got Jack and the Beanstalk, we've got Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, we've got my favourite, Aladdin. All these uh, wonderful fairy tales that take us to somewhere different. But they're made up stories. They're not real. There was uh, two young girls um, in the early 1900s who were out taking some pictures. And they took some pictures and once they'd been produced, it looked like these, on these pictures there were furries flying around. I don't know if you've, you know this story. But people believed that there were furries at this place where they had these pictures taken. It wasn't until the 1980s, around that time, where these two girls who had taken those pictures actually confessed that they weren't real. Those fairies weren't real. But they did say people want to believe. But it was made up. It wasn't true. Jesus is true. He is real. He's not a fairy tale. He's not made up. Jesus is real. Matthew doesn't start his gospel once upon a time because it's not a fairy tale. Jesus is real. He, he was really born that first Christmas. He really grew up. He ate he interacted with people. He uh, did amazing things. He experienced things that we experienced. He was tempted in every way that we are tempted, yet he was without sin. Jesus really did die on a cross, and Jesus really did rise from the dead. Jesus is real. He's not a fairy tale. And that's the first thing that we see at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. And if Jesus is real, if he is Emmanuel, God with us, then it's really important that we respond to God's king in the proper way. We must respond to him rightly. Because he came to save all who would repent and believe in him. And so Jesus is not a made-up story, he's real. There's a kid's song by Colin Buchanan. He's a Christian Australian singer-songwriter. And one of his songs is called Jesus is No Fairy Tale. Well, you know the story of the three bears and the girl called Goldilocks who came in from the woods and gobbled all their porridge up. Or the story about Snow White and the seven dwarves she knew. Well, one thing about fairy tales, none of them are true. But Jesus is no fairy tale. He's real as real can be. No one made him up. No, no, he's as real as you and me. He's the mighty son of God. His word will never fail. So put your trust in Jesus because he's no fairy tale. Jesus is real. The second thing that we see right at the beginning of this gospel is that God is faithful. God is faithful to all that he promises. Thousands of years have gone by between Abraham and Jesus. Maybe a thousand years between David and Jesus. Yet God remains faithful to his promises. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, Romans 5, 6. The God that we know, the God that we worship is faithful. Can't we rest in that truth? We rest 
in the truth that God is faithful to all his promises. Nothing is out of his control. Nothing happens by accident. Everything that happens according to his perfect timing. And so throughout these generations, we see the faithfulness of God. So rest in that truth. We'll sing about God's faithfulness later on. The Lord our God is faithful. So no matter what life throws at us, the Lord is faithful and we can trust him. So we can read verses such as Philippians 1, verse 6. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. We can trust that because we can look throughout history and see the faithfulness of God. And so as we begin this gospel here uh, in Matthew, we see the faithfulness of our God. The third thing that I want us to see uh, throughout this opening uh, seven verses of Matthew's gospel is the grace of the king. So this list is really important. Although we might skip over it or miss some of the funny names out that we can't quite pronounce, it was really important for Matthew's Jewish readers that they had this, that they could see uh, the generations before Jesus. But as you read it, it's quite a questionable list of people. They're not all brilliant examples of what it is to be a follower of God. What it does show us is that mankind is fallen, that we're sinful. We could look at this and we, we could do what King, uh, King Herod, I think it was, did, uh, where he scrubbed out all those blots on his family tree that didn't make him look good. But the Bible doesn't do that. It presents uh, the genealogy of Jesus, his family tree, warts and all. But what we do see is the grace of God at work uh, throughout. It's a picture of God's grace. So we look at Abraham, the first one. We're told he was a man of great faith. Yet, when we read the story of Abraham, we see twice that he lied about his wife, Sarah. She's not my wife, she's my sister. Twice Abraham lied, bringing shame on the two of them, but also on God. Yet, Abraham isn't excluded. God made Abraham the father of many nations. We see the grace of the king. What about uh, Tamar? Tamar was the daughter of, daughter-in-law of Judah. Uh, and she ended up tricking him uh, into relations which ended up with Perez and Zerah being born. Yet, she's not excluded. God uh, has included a brought her in to this family tree. 
to this family line, we see uh, the grace of God, the grace of the king at work. We've got um, other women on the list, which is very unusual to include women on a Jewish uh, family tree. We've got Rahab, we've got Ruth, we've got Bathsheba, although she's not named, uh, all included on this list. Rahab was a prostitute, but she helped God's people. God didn't exclude her. Uh, he brought her, brought her into this messianic line. God's grace brought her in. Ruth was a Moabite, and Israelites were forbidden to marry a Moabite. Yet she married one, he died, and then she married Boaz. God's grace brought her in. She wasn't excluded. We get to David, the great king. Yet what did David do? He committed adultery. And then because he wanted to marry her, he had her husband killed. So he could do that. What we see is God's grace at work. Because uh, the one who would be the Messiah would come from the line of David. It wasn't Solomon, the next on the list. His heart was turned away um, to false idols by his many wives. But as we go through and we get to the end uh, of that list, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All the way through this list we get so-and-so was the father of so-and-so and so-and-so was the father of so-and-so all the way down until we get to Joseph. And do you notice the difference there? He's named as the husband of Mary. Because as we'll see as we go through Matthew's gospel, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Yet it's really important that Matthew includes this with Joseph because it is through Joseph's line and this genealogy in Matthew uh, that it shows us Jesus' royal line. He has the royal right to be king. But I, I find this list really interesting that women are included uh, and that they're all questionable characters. But what I think it does is show us a picture of God's immeasurable grace. It shows us God's grace and what Christ came to do. He came to save sinners. That's why Jesus came. You can go through every name on that list, read every story, and you'll see God's grace at work in their lives. Yes, it's a family tree filled with wicked men, with prostitutes, with sinners. Yet it's a list that shows us that Jesus came to save sinners. God's grace and mercy is at work, even in the worst of sinners. 
So later on in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 9, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is the friend of sinners. And no one is beyond the saving grace of God. And that same grace that was at work then is at work today. And so if we sit here as a Christian this morning, we know at God's grace and mercy in our lives. There's a story, um, a man called David Hamilton, who uh, was from, or is from Northern Ireland, uh, but he became involved in a, a terrorist organization, ended up uh, being sentenced to prison three times. The third time he was sentenced for 28 years. And his mum is there as he's sentenced that third time, and she cries out to him, you are a hopeless case. But he goes off to prison. And while in prison, he finds Christ. He comes to faith. The grace and mercy of God transforms his life. No one is a hopeless case. I'll put the video of the interview uh, with David Hamilton online this afternoon so you can watch it. It's an amazing uh, story of God's grace at work uh, in his life. But no one is beyond the grace of God. God's grace can bring anyone into his family. Anyone who repents and believes in Jesus, even the worst of sinners. Grace is the free, undeserved goodness and favor of God to mankind. Matthew Henry. Uh, Charles Spurgeon we believe that the work of regeneration, conversion, sanctification and faith is not an act of man's free will and power, but of the mighty effect. I can't say it. My, my, my lips aren't working. An irresistible grace of God. That is what saves people. It is the irresistible grace of God, the amazing grace of God that we so often uh, sing about. So what might seem a boring list of names that teaches something wonderful about God's grace and work throughout history. We see that Jesus is real, uh, that God is faithful, and that his grace saves. So let's go and share uh, this good news with those we'll see and meet this Christmas. That baby that we uh, celebrate at, that was born that first Christmas is good news for the world, even the worst of sinners. So let's be quick. Let's be ready to share that good news uh, with those uh, that we'll meet this Christmas time because Jesus came to save sinners like you uh, and like me. And so I thought we would sing that great carol, joy to the world, the Lord is come. So let's stand and sing about our great Savior, Jesus the King. <laughs>